This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Pierre Novella. You can text the show on 812.15. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio or email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. So Jerry Lee Lewis died. I know the papers are going to be... Fo- oh, can I say, can I read you the BBC obituary? Please. Jerry Lee Lewis, colon, a toxic cocktail of scandal and violence. <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever happened to R.I.P.? <laughs> <laughs> They've learnt, learnt their lesson, haven't they? <laughs> I think they He's not going to get to affectionate documentaries. <laughs> I think you, they just say that I, as a, of everyone now, just to be safe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to be safe. Yeah. I have to say, um, of course, we all love the BBC, but they completely destroyed Strictly Come Dancing last week with their terrible 100th anniversary. <laughs> they had people dancing to, like, the casualty theme. Oh, no. Do you know oh, what stop I turned, it. I turned it off, Frank, and I thought, what on earth is going on? Oh, it's like News 24 and things. That's one of them. I remember um, Jed Mercurio, who wrote um, Line of Duty, telling me that in the RAF, or just in flying general, I wish I could remember the term. Someone out there might know it. But sometimes a plane will fly into a mountain because there's two people in the cockpit and one thinks, well, he'd say anything if we if we're going to really fly into the mountain. And the other one thinks, well, she'd say anything if we're going to think. And then you just fly into the mountain. And I think that they had the meeting about dancing to TV themes and nobody said anything and they just carried on and they just crashed into the mountain. Let's celebrate our 100th anniversary by destroying our most popular show. <laughs> Did any of them work, Frank? The dancers? No. Um, no. no. <laughs> Without doubt, the worst Strictly Come Dancing episode I've ever seen in my life. What was the worst one? The worst. Well, you know, I love the Doctor Who theme, but it's quite hard to Charleston <laughs> to it. <laughs> and uh, they had to. Oh, they danced to the Blue Peter theme and diddle diddle Oh, you know. Anyway, sailors. Look, I know a lot of people out there don't watch Strictly, but you should watch that one because sometimes when stuff's really embarrassing, it's good to watch. Jerry Lee Lewis, who died, I have to say, I was, I saw him about 20 times live from Wembley to Memphis, Tennessee. I saw him. Did you? I saw him in Memphis before it was a big Lennox Lewis fight. I think it might have been Lewis Holyfield in Memphis. I think it was Holyfield. Very, Jerry Lee. peak 90s fixture that. And we went to see Jerry Lee the night before. Mm-hmm. And he, he spent the first 10 minutes moaning about how much boxers get paid compared to what he got paid. <laughs> <laughs> really going on about it. A toxic cocktail. I saw him arrive at a gig in Cheltenham. Yeah, were you watching Top Gear before? <laughs> he was in a convertible Cadillac with enormous cow horns on the front. Like a cartoon. Have been sat- yeah, he was a bit of a cartoon. Massive cigar about a foot long. <laughs> Wowie. Like I say, he was a bad man. I had the chance to meet him in Memphis, and I said no, because I think if he shoots at me, <laughs> retrospectively, that's going to spoil my enjoyment of his music. Did he do that quite often to people? He did, he did, um, he did a bit of shooting at people. I think mm. he threatened Dennis Quaid with a gun when he played him in the film. 
Mm. Elvis did, did that a lot, didn't he? That's another one of, of your course, heroes. Well, Jerry Lee uh, crashed his gates into Grace, his car into the gates at Graceland, got out waving a car, drunk, I think, and shouted, come on out, Elvis, and we'll see who's the king of rock and roll. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough Jerry Lee Lewis. the obituary. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, I, he's, I will he's miss He's ramming him. the gates of heaven now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on out, God. <laughs> yes, yeah. We'll see who's God. <laughs> oh, there's a, one more. There's a great. Um, you know when you, you know when they like when, this week they've released um, Revolver, the Beatles album, and there's quite a bit of them talking on it. You know before the track plays, mm. and there's one in uh, Sun Recording Studios. On I had a box set. Um, Mark Lamar, the comedian, recorded an entire CD box set onto cassettes for me of Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, you hear him talking to Sam Phillips, the boss of Son Records, about uh, how they're all going to burn in hellfire for making music like this, <laughs> including himself. <laughs> sort of stuff I don't imagine Ed Sheeran's chewing the fat about in the studio. Yeah. Anyway, Jerry Lee Lewis, I'll miss him if no one else does. Boys, can I ask actually specifically you, Frank? Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking about ramming the gates of heaven I was. earlier. <laughs> as that, was, as, that was to Pierre, by the way. Yes, yes. as <laughs> is my want. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think that was off air. <laughs> in, a, in a hushed whisper. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful, poetic turn of phrase, though. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Yeah. And I have a question. Mm. Excuse my ignorance in advance, but I always think it's better to fess up. And I know you'll approve of fessing up, Frank. Okay. Uh, you know, people often, as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of St. Peter. And then I realised I only ever associate him with jokes about the gates of heaven. And I know nothing of the man. Why is he... Is he a bit of a sort of ambulance chaser? Why is he only present at the gates of heaven? That question well, to Frank Skinner. I think it's because um, the Nazarene, Jesus, um, <laughs> sort of gave him the keys. That was the idea. Huge responsibility. So, so his symbol is, is, is uh, the crossed keys. So because you've got the keys, I think the presumption is that you'll be at the gate. I mean, it's not the best job, is it? Dorman. No. Yes, he's essentially a bouncer. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what that's what they're going to do in door work. To, to be fair, his nickname is Rock. Yeah, he's obviously that, the toughest that, guy of the game. That is true, but I can't see him in a ten la tan leather bomber jacket <laughs> with a shirt and tie. Hey, Rocky, you're going to be on the door. No, it's um, he's, you know, he was he was the top man, and now he's uh, the gatekeeper. I can see you in a tan leather jacket, though. In fact. I have seen it. <laughs> yes, you have. That is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, um, I'm a very unique individual. So um, I went to... Uh, i tell you what I did, and this, this is something I think a lot of absolute listeners might uh, recognise. I went to a guitar shop, something I haven't done for a long time. When I was a teenager, I mean, I, every Saturday we went to guitar shops with no money, but we just looked at guitars and I went in and I think the same bloke who was playing in a Birmingham guitar shop in 1972 <laughs> was in the one I went to <laughs> still playing the guitar you got to have real chutzpah to um, to play a guitar in a guitar shop I think 
because there's liable what, to be You mean, was this person a customer? Yeah, <coughs> customers go in and they sort of try a guitar. I think what was really annoying, then another bloke came in and started trying a bass guitar and they weren't playing the same. I thought, God, don't you compl- compliment each other or don't play? Create a magical moment. Yeah, that was great. There was a bloke doing like lead runs and then a bass. Oh. But hang on, they're just playing this in the middle of a store. Yeah, it's like it's like you trying a coat on. It I, is very much not like that. It really is. <laughs> I trying. don't disturb other people's quiet. I mean, well, they're all. I say no one who. I mean, I I wish I had the guts to you know to get one on and then just um, play. Like I was in a um, I was in a Chinese takeaway, um, and the man behind the counter said. Are you Frank? And I said, um, yes. And he said, what do you think of this shirt? No, no, he didn't mean Frank. He meant my name, Frank. (laughs) And he said... um, Blank, is he blank? He said, "Um, you play... Oh, no, he said, are you Frank? And I said, yes. And then he reached underneath the counter. Oh, Jerry Lee Lewis. And we'll complete this uh, after this break. The man in the Chinese takeaway um, reached underneath the counter, having established that I was called Frank, and took out a ukulele. No. Yeah. Um, And said, um, he said, I'm learning ukulele, will you play? And I played, and I I could see real disappointment. (laughs) I mean, real. And he said, I am currently learning the song Autumn Leaves. I said, okay. So he said, do you know it? La, 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 la. I said, I know it. And then he went, la, 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 la. I said, I know it. I do know it. So he's of the, one of the new, um, obviously one of the new breed who learn the melody line, whereas us George Formby's, we just bang it as hard as we can and strum the hell out of it. And I really, it was really like he thought I was going to play some fabulous melody and nothing came out. That's why I don't pick up guitars in guitar shops. Good night. Whenever I've seen people playing the guitar, possibly in a park, it does happen sometimes, on a bench, it all seems to be bad moon rising. Yes. Um, Why is that? Well, it used to be uh, traditionally, of course, um, Stairway to Heaven people used to play in guitar shops. But... uh, Bad Moon Rising, yeah, I tell you, it's quite an it's quite an easy chord sequence. Is it? It could be. Oh, do you know? I love. Do you know? I suddenly felt quite impressed by you that you knew about the chord sequence. Did you? Pierre? The phrase chord sequence. I thought there's going to be some technical stuff coming in. I, saw, I wasn't disappointed. I saw you as a bit of a muso, Frank. Just for a second, I um, <laughs> I, I tell you, well, they had they had band stickers. I don't mean stickers that had been banned. I mean, with band logos on them. And I recognised them because Buzz had got... You can buy a job lot off the internet and you get 100 stickers for, I think, it's eight quid. And they were selling the same stickers two quid each. I mean, two quid each, as they say, Hogwarts... Um, I thought that was a scandal. <laughs> they had plectrums, handcrafted plectrums, 12 quid. What? How much should they be, these things? Pound. If that, yeah. It's a, it's a plectrum, you know, you usually drop 
dropping off. Anyway, that's enough. Oh, one other thing I did think. <laughs> I've, what I've noticed, they, both these blokes had leads in their guitars because they were electric, and, and they were straight leads. Now, we, our headphones, are the old traditional curly oh, yes. lead, which I find very handy for extension. I don't think the curly lead... I think the curly lead's gone slightly out of fashion. Well, I was... I tell you, it reminds me a bit of sort of 1970s businessman arranging his affair on the landline. Well, it reminds me of... You know the smoke that comes out the chimney in children's drawings? (laughs) It's got that lovely feel to it. Um, The curly lead has gone out of fashion. It has. As in wires, as with um, female movie stars' hairdos. What is, few, is that not curly anymore? Very few perms and curly. You watch a film from the 80s or early 90s, there's always big perm curly I hair. don't know if the curly lead ever was fully uh, utilised. What else do you see? Security men have them on at the ear, but that's a tiny curly lead. I'm not really well, counting it. Yes, they were almost, I would go so far as to say they were fetishised mm. in the 80s. Yes. There was a vogue for the coloured plug lead. Do you remember this? No, in, in, in the curly mode? Oh, yes. I remember my best friend Jane, her father, Stu. You're familiar with oh, his yes. work. In his office, oh, it was an 80s haven, white tiling everywhere with curly coloured plug leads. There might okay. have been a red or a blue or a pink. It was an accessory. It was a height of fashion with very curly leads on them. Well, where would you expect to find a curly lead? <laughs> These days. 15. Speaking of smoke coming out of chimneys, mm. I'll ask you this. I, I need to uh, read the manual to see if I can even bring this up. <laughs> Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. Frank. Uh-huh. Elon Musk has tweeted, comedy is now legal on Twitter. See you now. Okay. Okay. I'd like to... How do you um, feel about that? I'd like to do a series of interviews on the telly, a la um, Louis Theroux's thing now, and call it um, Billionaires on now. And then, uh, and then interview and just let them be strange. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. They are strange. Why are they? Is that how you get rich? Is to be strange, <laughs> or just being rich make you strange? Eight, twelve, fifteen. You're very good. Um, Frank. So here's my question. Sorry. You know, in cowboy films, when you see Native Americans doing smoke signals. Is that a real thing, or was that just invented by Hollywood? So uh, Pierre might know this. I think it's a real thing for oh, it, some some groups, but not because you know there's so many different tribes. Mm. But how does but, yes. it? But how does it? You build the blanket over. No, the, I know how you do it. Yeah. But I mean, how do you do letters and words and stuff? I think there would be more just sort of distress signals and stuff. I don't think. Okay. The, but I, how would you form the shapes? Is that what you're asking, Frank Skinner? Well, I know, I know it's usually the blanket over the smoke, but, I mean, you couldn't say... It couldn't be Morse code. You couldn't <laughs> do it's dot. It's usually the blanket well, in over films, the smoke. In film. I was just thinking when we were talking about um, that curly smoke that comes out mm. the chimney in kids all joined up writing as the Native Americans. Yeah. No, I just wondered if it was real or if... Um, I, think mm. it, I think it would be a sort of, like, dots and that's a distress signal or a war signal, but I don't know how complex the messages can get. No. If there's anyone out there who uh, speaks smoke signal, 
Um, I'd love to hear from them. So, um, what else? <laughs> A couple of things. Uh, four six six. Lovely curly lead on Paul Simon's bass on the. Oh, Paul Simonon's. Does he mean? T- isn't it? T- Paul Simonon was the Clash. Oh, yes. I thought it said. In fairness, when I before I saw the Clash, that it's was never the occurred mistake. to me before that Paul Simonon sounds a bit like Paul Simon. Yes. You'd think that would have occurred to me, but it didn't. I I didn't see the Clash, so I thought there was a typo. I do apologise. Lovely curly lead on Paul Simonon's bass on the cover of the Clash's London Calling. Oh, Much okay. uh, coveted by me when I was wee. That's from Rory. Yeah, I think it sort of felt like it was... It was like when I first saw the umbrella hat and I thought the handheld umbrella was, is done. Mm. <laughs> um, I think when I saw the curly lead, I thought, well, that's it for a straight wire. Yeah. And uh, no, didn't take it on. We've also heard... I mean, I don't know if I can even single this one out because, Pierre, it's fair to say it's been overwhelming. So I, I this might be something that we'll have to uh, come to again later in the show, which is Chigate. Mm. Oh, yeah. Now, last week, we um, discussed a, um, a, a, a cafe in um, Preston in uh, Lancashire, and it was called uh, Chai Stop because they specialised in uh, chai, the popular drink from... Asian subcontinent. So um, I said I wasn't happy with Chai Stop, and I think my own suggestion, I will repeat it, was uh, because it was a place that thrived on politeness. It's just, I think we should give us a bit of an introduction because it was certainly unforgettable. Okay. What Frank came up with. This is Frank Skinner, a comedy legend. Mm. Some would say one of the greatest comedians of his generation. All right. And this... I'm not interrupting this bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stick around. This, was... this is what he came up with. So this is for a very polite place that sells chai. It should be called... Chivalry. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't one of my best. I'm not going to pretend it was. But we did have some very good ones from outside worldy. Mm. But then the one I noticed that I elected the winner, which was Chai A Little Tenderness, mm. was actually the headline in the Daily Mail. Oh. So I felt that I... I remember once I judged... The only, the only time I judged a, a stand-up competition... Mm. Because I follow the advice, um, judge ye not, for as ye judge, so shall ye be judged. <laughs> and the guy was much better than the others. So when we got into the with the judges, one of whom was Janet Street Porter, I think, I said, well, look, there's only one person in this. He's brilliant. And so he won, and I had my photo took with him and all that. And then after I saw... Um, Ooh, I think it was Mark Lamar, second mention of the morning. I saw him in the bar and he said, I can't believe you gave it to that bloke. And then he told me where all the jokes had no, been stolen from. No. <laughs> oh. So uh, what can you do? You can't check everything, can well, you? Well, Frank, uh, just, I'll just leave you with this. Just da- a little trailer here. Danny Tolhurst has got mm. in touch. First line of his uh, tweet, I've been thinking about chivalry all week. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it from, Henry VIII? It's... <laughs> <laughs> Frank Skinner. 
Here's a question. What, um, do you have any idea what the perimeters of Shazam, the app, are? By perimeters, like limitations? Yeah, well, I, um, I, when I was watching the Queen's funeral, there was a piece of music and I thought, oh, this is, this is a nice bit of music. So I held, um, the, my phone to the telly with the Shazam, you know the Shazam app, in case you don't that know it, identified moment in the day. <laughs> yeah, maybe not many people Shazam the Queen, Queen's funeral, but it was respectfully done. And um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't tell me, it didn't recognise the music. And my partner said, oh, that's because it's not like a, a recording, it's like a live version. I thought you could whistle to Shazam and it would tell you what the tune was. Is that not true? There's a Google one that you can whistle or hum to designed with that in mind, which is okay. It's You can sit and sort of try and do your best to hum famous set music and see okay. if it figures it out. So you should write a review? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> okay, I'd, so you don't know what the perimeters of Shazam are. Well, I, the producer just uh, nodded at Kath's assertion so... Uh, that you couldn't do it with live music. And okay. as she works for a, a you know, you know radio, live. I'm we're assuming saying, she knows her onions. We're saying live music. It's not like Bob Dylan doing um, Blowing in the Wind with a completely different melody. You know, if like you're Kevin's doing Beethoven's that. Funeral March, it, it yeah. doesn't change much. It should. There's not much improvising with these guys. No, there's very little jazz. You say these guys. <laughs> you know, these uh, military uh, musicians. But I, I think I think Shazam is often fed the waveforms of of pre-recorded music, and it sort of remembers them as opposed to. Because you them. would know that. That's why I love you, Pierre, <laughs> because you know that Shazam is fed the waveforms. <laughs> Music. I don't know what that means, but who cares? <laughs> who cares what that means? I love it so much. Mm. I was... Um, oh, they're talking about the power of literature. I uh, I saw a, um, a friend of mine, and he, uh, got, he got me a gift, and it was a book called Saga. It's not for Ooh. the elderly. What's it's a that? comic book. <laughs> it's a mighty, like, um, omnibus edition like I bet it was I'm gonna say two and a half inches thick oh wow yeah can you convert that for us Pierre for our younger listener uh seven and a half centimeters I'd say seven centimeters I find that an unforgettable measurement I'll tell you why that was the height we weren't allowed at my school we were told heels could not be higher than 2.5 inches Okay. As a result, I'm very good at measuring heel height. I thought you were going to say, you know, that I believe some schools have eight inches above the knee skirt regulation. Yeah, that as well. also. God, these young women getting dressed next to some sort of uh, the usual suspects wall chart. <laughs> I was called in once because oh. I was told, uh, and they had to measure my shoes. I said, uh, we think those heels are past the permitted height. They have a slight, and I was told they have a slight kitten heel. Oh. Which they didn't. <laughs> and Un- unforgivable. They it's were like measured. They Gulliver's- were measured, Frank. I sat there and the heel was measured. It's like in Gulliver's Travels, where two, two um, warring groups, of the, the high heels and the, and the low heels. Wow, that's amazing. They measured them. Of course... Um, 
Emily's got the best school skirt anecdote I've ever heard. <laughs> do you want to rattle this off quickly or do you want to wait till after the break? Why don't we... Uh, OK. Yeah. In case you're, some of our if older... you want to trail it, Frank, I'm maybe trail it. tease it. I'm going to tease it as the best school skirt <laughs> anecdote of all time. If you've got a better yeah. one, then let's hear it, guys. <laughs> this is Frank Skinner. This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Pierre Novelli. You can text the show on 8.12.15. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. And they have. And we've heard from uh, Ruth Jordan. Oh, every week we hear from Ruthie. And I love Ruth. But in this instance, I'm going to have to... I love Jordan. <laughs> As was. I'm, I'm going to... In the China White days. I'm going to have to say au contraire, Ruth. Oh. Because Ruth has said... I was referring earlier to the uh, the school rule I had, no pun intended, mm-hmm. with the 2.5-inch uh, maximum on the heel height. And Ruth has said, surely Emily's school only allowed heels of 2.5 centimetres, not inches. If it was 2.5 inches... I'm picturing a load of very tall 12-year-olds. Hmm. Now, I would say, Ruth, go into your wardrobe. Can you do that for me, lovey? Consult your boots and your block heels and sandals. Get your little tape measure out. Because I will wager that you'll find a few surprisingly will be coming up to that 2.5-inch mark. Uh, Pierre and Frank. This is a bit awkward if Ruth lives on waste ground. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope. Let's hope that isn't the case. Um, Regarding smoke signals, we've heard from 6002. Oh, yeah. Puff, 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 puff. (laughs) (laughs) I get that text most days. Who is that? (laughs) Who is that? Uh, Jack Tar Trader says, Morning all from sunny Kenya. I'm not sure if this is a mo moment or just a more general moment of clarity, but it just came to me that eight out of ten cats could be called four out of five cats with a simple fraction reduction. Mm. I'm not sure what to do with that information. (laughs) That's true. They haven't haven't taken it down to the lowest common denominator, which is something they're strangely famous for. Oh, they don't mind doing it morally, but mathematically. Yeah. Well, you'd have thought that, um, what's the lady called Rachel Riley? She might have picked up on that. <laughs> it's a part of some sort of NDA. You mustn't well, she, mention the fresh. She told me she got two, a 2-1 two in maths. Mm. So, mm. Uh, yeah. Not the lady. <laughs> I think she might have said a 2-2. Two, because two. I think I said a 2-2 two, two, and she said, Carol Vorderman got a third. <laughs> so uh, yeah, now, yeah. It's a very. I think that's a very good point. Mm. Four out of um, five. Well, know what it be? Well, we should really. Four be, out of five. I yeah. should say, um, Jack, you should be taking issue with the uh, cat. It was. It was a. We it was, to say was it was? whiskers. Yeah, we're allowed to say that. Um, it was whiskers. It was based on their campaign, and obviously the younger. Uh, generation may not be aware of that. Are you aware of that, Pierre? No. There you go. It was Frank, an advert. Like it, said, it said eight out of ten cats prefer whiskers, is what it used to mm. say. Mm. Yeah, but you know what? 
So they basically said, I'm having that. Yeah, but if, if one accepts some sort of concept of progress, mm. once you've st- taken it, it's still all right to reduce it to the lowest common denominator. Polish it and make it yours. Mm-hmm. Never, never mind. Now... It's not my business. <laughs> it's not my business. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it's a good observation. We've, we've had a few... Oh, Andrew Froggart... Your curly lead thing... Yeah. All right. Uh, ..took me right back to getting a bass from Musical Exchange on Broad Street oh God, in 1980. That was the shop where I used to hang around in on Saturdays. I'll tell you what they had in the window for ages at Musical Exchanges. Dave Hill from Slade, they had his super yob guitar, which was a weirdly shaped silver thing. Mm. Mm. Oh, very selfridges at Christmas time. Would, would, would you ever have the confidence to walk into a shop that sold sort of musical instruments and microphones and things? And instead of picking up the guitar and trying out Stairway, just going up to a microphone and doing some bits of stand-up to see how it sounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or walking into a, a bookshop and... Uh, Reading aloud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she dwelt among the untrodden ways. Pretty good, pretty good. I quite like it. I mean, Beside he... <laughs> the springs of Darf. Yeah. That does sort of happen in Hampstead and places like that, and it's legal, I reckon. I've never heard anyone read it out loud in a bookshop, but, it, but I often do read poetry out loud, so it'd be completely legitimate for me to go and try it out in the shop, see if it's all right. <laughs> that would be fair. I guess you could uh, sit down in front of a shelf of books in a bookshop and then put Zoom on your phone. So you go, how does this look behind me? Oh, yeah. yeah. How do these look but behind me? You don't want to buy a whole bookcase. That'd be crazy. No. Yeah. You, know, you end up with, like, four of one book or something. Do yeah. they do that in bookshops still? All in a row. What's that? Have the same book three or four times because it's so popular. Or do you have to ask at the desk? No, they, I don't, uh, it can what? Don't answer this because ultimately I don't care about that. Sometimes only... you wonder about things and then you think, I, does it doesn't matter, does it, if that happens? <laughs> I know the answer anyway, Frank. They only have it on the dump table. Yes, it's an unfortunate phrase, but they're not my yes. choice. Yes. But they have it on the dump table. Okay. Thank you. I am leaving it there in case <laughs> anyone at home is wondering who's having their breakfast. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. What I didn't get to the bottom of was, um, I, so I, I was walking home alone hmm. with my um, my book, which I was two and a half inches at the spine. The saga oh. book. And I saw um, some hooded youths oh. standing on the pavement. And was I that thought, in, your, in your manner? Yeah, and I thought, if this goes off... I'm going to go in with the with the book. <laughs> it was such a big book. I thought if I can get one good hit with this, I, I think yeah, I think they could, the power of art and literature. To any passers-by, it would look like a strained metaphor for mm. using a, the power of education yeah. to sort of beat away the exactly. cruel forces of ignorance. And you can imagine is the friends the next day seeing the guy and saying, God, you look like you've been hit by an omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's exactly the reference they use. <laughs> I honestly did honestly, Them honestly think Hancock. if this goes off, I'm going to use this book. So what happened? Nothing, they didn't. Oh. When they saw who it was... <laughs> <laughs> They're just mild applause as I went through. A guard of honour. Golf clapping. 
<laughs> no, no, they uh, they had bigger fish to fry. Did I mention that they had uh, they had set up um, a, a small stove? Small stove, Caligas <laughs> stove. Anyway, what about uh, the skirt skirt mm. story of the century? So, yeah, picture the scene. It's the last century, I think. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> suggesting I'm like, was it your grandmother, Frank, who remembers being at school when the teacher came in and said, girls, there's some very sad news. I'm afraid Queen Victoria has died. That's right. There you go. Oh, my word. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love examples of my relative was so old that <laughs> dot, dot, dot. So, uh, come on. OK. Skirtsville, Picture USA. This in a... Advent, it's not really an adventure park, but it's the playground area, um, après school of a park setting, specifically mm. Highgate Wood. Mm. Lots of children, not just from my school, but from the boys' school. Mm. Mm. Stakes are high. At that age, we were trying to be a bit cool. And I would say there was probably at least 20 to 30 children gathered. Mm. And a dog runs in. Cue much hilarity because the dog in the playground, it's funny. We all know that. It's a big thing. It seems to be a stray dog, a bit on the loose. Everyone's going, oh, the dog, the dog. Suddenly the dog's making, showing a bit of an interest in me for some reason. Runs straight towards me, grabs hold of my skirt in its mouth, and before I knew it, has whipped it off round my waist <laughs> and run into the woods with it in its mouth because it had a wraparound style effect and I'm stood there in my pants. Okay. Like, a, a, like in a farce. Like, like in a raunch, in sort of raunchy fizz. farce. Yeah, like in... If I had um, <laughs> making your mind up at my fingertips, <laughs> I would have played it. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously... Come so, off in one go. Because it was a wraparound effect tied with a button. And if the butter, so it just came straight off. I bet that dog had got a pile of skirts six foot high yeah. in, in its basket. <laughs> Humiliating. It does, yeah. it's one of those stories that does make you wonder about reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We have some communiques mm. oh, okay. from En Plein Air. I don't know if I'd use it in that context. It's only really used in a dining context, isn't en it? En Plein Air? Yeah. Does it mean outdoors? Mm. Like al fresco? Yeah. Or painting? Exactly. But it's only really exactly. It's, I'm not sure you can use it in the way I was. I was what I was being was pretentious. I, there's no such word as pretentious in oh. my vocabulary. That's why I love your vocabulary. Five nine seven. Pretentious is a word invented by stupid people to stop other stupid people just trying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Babe, oh, I'd like that on a T-shirt. That would be great. Wouldn't you? <clears throat> what could they say if you wore that? Nothing is what they could say. Well, it could lead to... I'll uh, tell you what's fallen out of favour, the concept of sued... It was a very 70s. Mm. Oh, sued. Sued oh, yeah, sued corner. corner yeah. yeah. I thought you meant being sued. Oh, no, that's still very much in favour. <laughs> still a risk. Um, 597. <laughs> Hi, Frank. Why not just say 80% and be done with it? That's from Simon of Sudbury. 80% of cats. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it really begs. Uh, you really want to know what that's about, though, don't you? Yes. If someone muttered it to you as they passed you on a crowded train platform, you'd certainly have. 
questions. Eighty percent of cats. But Smiley's people. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, two. Of course, it's one of the great television I'm having that's of all time was uh, eight out of ten cats and countdown. Yes. yes. Like, is there any other example of a program just hijacking another one like being, that? being eaten by another program? Yeah, surely they. I'd like some examples if any of our readers have any. Um, two four zero. Also on this subject, the Whiskers advert. Uh, they've spelt it E R S. I believe it was A S. It was. They put a twist on it. Yeah, I think it was gas. The Whiskers advert had a little caveat to it, which stated. Is that the full word for cat? <laughs> <laughs> no, which stated from owners who expressed a preference. Yes, it did. It didn't have that originally. Okay, well, the two four zero continues, Frank. So cats were forced to eat it, really. Mm. Yeah. And I should say. Our cat, uh, Danny, was in That's Life, did a test of this. Do you remember the 70s sort of consumer programme presented by Esther Ranson, That's Life? I do. They tested it. Jake Thackeray was a weekly uh, appearance. And there was uh, Cyril, do you remember him? Oh, Oh. yes. They did uh, an actual test of it. Do eight out of ten cats prefer whiskers? To what as well? And in those days, they didn't have those sort of, you know, you say we pay rules. They just said uh, they rung their friends, people on the show, and just said, can you bring your cat along? Yeah. But so we did. So I believe... Um, oh, so your cat was on the yeah, telly? I think Esther Ranson called my dad and said, could you, you've got a cat, haven't you? Can you bring one along? That's how we did things then. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why they didn't call us. <laughs> my cat had three legs and a clothes peg supporting the uh, missing leg. Our cat was a Burmese with a Diamante collar. That would have been a whole different show. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been... Uh, that would have been... Uh, high jet. That would have been... Um, that's life, hijacking Animal Hospital yes. in the same way as uh, 8 out of 10 cats does count. <laughs> they would have had to say 80% of this cat is not a clothes pet. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's hard to make that theme run every week. Not that it could run the full thing. <laughs> See, it was coming off as, as a shape. Fought a lot. Don't fight. Anti-violence on Absolute Radio. Six one nine nine regarding your Shazam queries mm. uh, says hi Frank and team. I also wondered what a piece of music was during the Queen's funeral. So I'm like, oh, sorry, that sounds like a real what a piece of music he is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a real sort of jukebox event in uh, yeah. in lots of ways. There was some, you know, I, f- I think funereal music can be really hot stuff. Yeah, well, I beg your pardon. <laughs> They tried to use Google, which told them it was Gary Barlow and Sing, whereas it was actually Highland Cathedral by a pipe band. Yeah. Uh, it took that, a few tries before it got it right, Maggie and Swansea. Yeah, that that's really wrong, though, isn't it? That's quite far from from correct. Yeah, quite far from correct, is there? That would be a good title for a, uh, a, a rather loose-with-the-facts autobiography. Yeah. Anyway... I'm still reeling from funeral music can be pretty hot stuff. Well, you know. <laughs> da, 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 da. It's getting in hard in here. What's that um, James Bond film where every time a funeral goes past, a, a secret agent gets uh, Is it Live and Let Die? Attacked. I don't know. It feels I like it is. it's more modern than that. It's sort of like one of those... Um, 
What would it be? You know those uh, sort of New Orleans funerals? You know? Let go. <laughs> Yeah. It's live and let die. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I am. There's a man on the train at <laughs> the end. Not it's not the fine. Not not it is live and let die. <laughs> Can our readers please confirm? By the way, Sprechen, as they say in Germany, mm. um, Sprechening of um, caveats, as you were earlier, and I often wear one. <laughs> um, whatever happened? To people of a nervous disposition who are always being warned before things on the telly. <laughs> people of a nervous disposition shouldn't watch this program. Oh, yes. Where have they gone? Have they all so frightened? They don't even watch telly at all now. They've all just burst. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're on the roof. Why warn them? They can't see anything from up there. Well, it's changed now because it's anxieties. People will often say, because back in the day as well, they'd say, oh, my nerves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, the mothers would say that a lot. Yes. Oh, my nerves. nerves. Yeah. 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 I love people of a nervous disposition, though. Where where are they? I don't know. What's the warning now? It's a good point. That's the original trigger warning, isn't it? Was it? Well, yeah. Everyone talks about trigger warnings as if they're new, but... No, no, that was around for The ages. Nervous Dispositions yeah. around. A well, good, the, great yeah. band. The original trigger warning was, of course, the uh, the Red Triangle, Frank. Do you recall? I don't know if that was the original, but oh, that was, it was not? I think um, Channel 4 used it for um, Smot. Yeah. <laughs> was that what the film was called? <laughs> well, whatever, the, whatever it was. Yeah. Well, the big red triangle would appear on screen. In the corner saying, you know, what, watch yeah. out. Really? If there was yeah. A, oh, yeah. If there was a film, and that was pretty much what I watched, but it meant this is uh, this contains... Sauciness. Adult content, Frank, maybe? Well, they had a, uh, a series called Band or something, uh, which I anticipated with some enthusiasm. <laughs> I was going to say, I love the or something in yeah. an attempt to sound And then uninvolved. episode one was a formerly banned <laughs> documentary about the miners' strike. Oh. Well, I mean... Oh, Frank! Yeah, don't build it up and then... <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd put aftershave on and everything. <laughs> <laughs> dip the lights down low. <laughs> Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio. Absolute Radio. Pierre. Yes. I, I feel we haven't um, we haven't spoken of your life this week outside these four walls. Yes. But I like I like some music that would represent Pierre at some yes. stage like, well, I, don't, so I, don't know what, I don't know what's been happening to him no. but, um, well, no, so what about something Frank that gives a flavour of the man okay there's <laughs> that um, we used to have I don't know if people remember but we used to have our own sort of uh, personal jingles yeah. for the show mm. um, this was mine <laughs> Nevertheless, um, I like simply the best for Pierre because it's very. Do you want to hear it's Emily's? Quite confident. I would like to hear Emily's. Well, she's all you'd ever want. She's the kind I'd like to flaunt and take to dinner. Low carb. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> cheap, cheap day. <laughs> I well. It, for this particular, for what I've been up to, "Walk Like an Egyptian" would be the song of choice because I've been 
Frank to the British Museum to look at all the hieroglyphs. Okay. A special exhibit at the moment about how they decoded the hieroglyphs. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to... Uh, there's a blue plaque. Um, and when I used to uh, bus to school in the morning, the, there's a blue plaque which refers to something... It's one of those that sounds like Grampus 8, and it's a technical name. Grampus 8 is a Japanese football team. It's not that. Mm. Um, it's a technical name for a certain... Um, thing that some translator recognised. Ring any bells? Oh. Were they to do with hieroglyphs? Yes. No. Um. Well, stop, I don't like this part of the conversation. <laughs> it's, it's too tortured. I quite like it because it's slightly like when you'd often, you'd sometimes tune in by mistake to uh, BBC Two and watch those open university programmes with two professors having discussions. <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounded like. Yes, so you should have had kipper ties on and you should have had beards that smelled I smoke. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a kipper tie. <laughs> Very good. You make us one. Do you know what? I'm starting to look back on chivalry with <laughs> misty water-coloured memories. <laughs> uh, well, it might have been the guy... A surprising amount of the exhibit focused on... The, the, there's a Frenchman and an Englishman who are sort of racing each other to decipher the hieroglyphs first and oh. sending each other terse letters. Okay. Accusing the other of being <laughs> insufficiently grateful for their insights. That's what academics do, isn't yeah. it? They just... They just Fight. Snipe at each other yeah. all the time. But over letter, they do it so eloquently as well. They usually do it through journals and things. Yeah. Oh, do they not tell them? Picky, picky, picky. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah. There's Pick, um Pickypedia, that's what they edit. <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> well, there's some great stuff there. To the, sincerely, one of the most amazing things is a, a piece of pottery with hieroglyphs on that's from, I think, 5200 BC. That's old, isn't and it? I remember looking at it and thinking, that's three and a half Christianities old. That's a great measure. I'm put, now, if, in, what's that in inches, Emily? <laughs> How many Christianities were your shoes allowed to be hey, up in the hey, air? don't make me the inch monitor. What's that in, All right, lads. What's that in moments? All right, lads. <laughs> okay. What about the length of religion? All right, I, yeah, I don't want to be measurement. the length monitor either. <laughs> uh, I like that Pierre said... There's some great stuff there at the uh, British Museum. (laughs) 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 To be fair, a lot of it they've got lent. They've got it. Got lent from bits, uh, bits from France, bits from Egypt, bits from Germany. Oh, Frank likes that. They've really gone for it. (laughs) You love lent. It makes a change. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes a change. They're using stuff that they plan to give back. This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Pierre Novelli. Text the show on 8.12.15. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. Very nice. Smooth. Yeah, I might get me some of those um, terms and conditions. Voiceover jobs. Anyway, you're at the British Museum. I'm at the British Museum. I'm wandering the hieroglyphed alleyways that have been set up for the public's pleasure. Mm. Just just a quick pit stop for me. Mm. You you don't strike me as one to take advantage of the guide. He's not the type, Frank, is I, he? I can't imagine with the audio guide. No, the audio guide. Years. He would see that as a bit amateur. <laughs> no, Whereas I would exactly. need it, frankly. I don't want to be next to a bloke, in this case, Pierre, going... <laughs> 
when he doesn't agree with their uh, interpretation. interpretation. I think he might even mutter go, I think you're fine. Yes. <laughs> Going around with a sharpie, just correcting the exhibit. Complete misinterpretation. <laughs> He's braved it. He's braved the accent. I didn't go there, but he braved it. Respect. I'm just happy that it's in an academic context instead of sport or violence. That's just exactly. a nice change. Exactly. Anyway. Um, so, I'm going around with my pen correcting the various uh, <laughs> captions. Yeah. And um, I'm, you sort of have Were to Were all the captions in hieroglyphics? It was part of the challenge, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they said, see if you can do it, it was cool. Oh, them little figures. <laughs> yeah. yeah, birds and, and hands. And, <clears throat> yeah. Um, you're going around, and the, the two things that happened of note... I'll, I'll tease the, the, the funny one, which is I overheard something. A, a, a grandmother was taking her granddaughter round the exhibit. Mm. Her granddaughter was maybe seven or eight. She was quite ambitious. Oh, yeah, that is but, ambitious. But, you know, good for her. Um, but before that, they, obviously, they have the Rosetta Stone in the British Museum. Yes. Which was the key to decoding hieroglyphics um, and is incredibly important. And I hadn't realized that it was yet another artifact that they discovered when they were just building a fort somewhere. Okay. Or, or pulling something down. And I did think, what is it with people all over the world and using clearly very valuable, interesting bits of stonework as <laughs> chunks in a wall? <laughs> you think, are there no plain rocks for you to use in a wall? <laughs> the, the, the Elgin marbles, they were in a fort as well. I don't know, people don't care. They just don't care. I don't you, care. No respect. The, What's the matter, you? Hey, God, and no respect. <laughs> I went to a, a Roman villa... Oh, yes. And uh, the guy said, yeah, there was a whole settlement around here. I said, so there must be must be loads of artefacts around here, like in the ground. And he went, safest place for them. <laughs> and I thought, well, that, well, why did you dig the villa out? <laughs> <laughs> That's your attitude. Leave it all then. It's probably a good point. Yeah. That they are yeah. quite safe there. They do fill stuff back in sometimes if it's too fiddly for the technology we have now. Too fiddly for crows. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, there used to be a slogan, too orangey for crows on Kiora. Do you remember Kiora, Emily? Yeah, of course I do. Okay, lovely. I have to say it's more my area, Kiora. <laughs> yeah, aye. <laughs> so, um, so we're wondering the... The, the exhibit mm. and I'm I'm maybe four or five uh, patrons behind the grandmother and her granddaughter and oh when you said the grandmother I thought that was some sort of a slang a really thing. big B <laughs> <laughs> that's in there we call it the grandmother yeah it's been in the BM for decades so you just can't get it out <laughs> it's because they built that atrium <laughs> go on so we're going and we sort of um, form a semicircle around the Rosetta Stone Oh, the, the, how the, lovely, Pierre. The crowd sort of pools around the Rosetta Stone. Can I say, I did have quite an emotional moment at the Rosetta Stone about three or four years did ago because my son had studied it at school. Mm. He's only like six or something. And I said, I'll take you to see it. And we went and he pushed his way through a crowd of adults and went, oh, wow, the Rosetta Stone. And, and virtually everyone in there went, oh... Because it's really nice and keen appreciating that. But see, that is exactly what I was after. Right. Because I'd I'd been I'd seen this dynamic and I thought, what I want is a heartwarming intergenerational educational moment. Yes. Then and I thought, here we go. We're standing around the Rosetta Stone. It's time. Mm. And um, the sort of seven or eight year old stood sort of (laughs) contemplating the Rosetta Stone, frowning. And the grandmother leant down and sort of on her knees. This is more like a sort of tough grandma than a loving grandma. That was her vibe, I'd say. 
And she pointed at it and said, do you know what that is? And the girl shook her head and she said, it's a very famous stone and it's not going anywhere. That was, that was it. Okay. Did she then say, now we're going to look at the Elgin marbles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll find, same rule applies. You'll find a theme is developing in <laughs> Nana's it's, gonna it's not going anywhere. Grandma said, that's just what I need for the hole in my garden wall. Yes. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. That plaque, mm. I found it. It's uh, Michael Ventris. Mm. And it says, architect and decipherer of Linear B script lived here, which I think is one of those... Um, that sounds like cuneiform to me. Cuneiform, you say? That's going to be my guess. What's that? It's the... Oh, is it Assyrian or Babylonian script? It looks oh, like I thought that was... I thought that was what they were on a Cunard cruise. A cuneiform. A cuneiform. Oh, that'd be good. It's the shape of your body after a long cruise. It's what, it's what um, the people, the marshals on the uh, Queen Line in state queue all wore. The cuneiform. cuneiform. Do you know what? I've said this before and I'll say it again. I love a marshal. Mm. Don't you, Frank? The marshal, by definition, would you suggest it was a temporary role? By definition. Yes. Would you? And um, for me, no tabar, no marshal. That's my <laughs> that's my motto. That's your back tattoo, isn't it? Exactly. Right. <laughs> Who's your favourite tabard wearer? Uh, uh, Pierre, I'd like to ask you oh, that question you, as well. Do you mean by name or profession? Profession, the sort of event they work. I don't need an instant answer. I'll let you mull on that mm. while I just share this with you. 848... Frank, was it Chedworth of which you speak? Little Roman settlement at the top of a valley near the Cotswolds. Yes. Nice mosaic floors. That's from yes. Matt, who nice. says cheers. That's exactly right. It was Chedworth. Uh-huh. Okay. Well done, you. <laughs> um, dinner ladies, tabard-wise. But do they have... Is there one across the board? I mean, perhaps. Is it an, I think of it as... Is there a dinner lady like... across the board? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. I think of it as sort of come as you are more with the dinner lady. And also, they're called something else now, aren't they? Oh, are they? almost certainly. You yeah. couldn't have dinner lady. What do you feel they're called now? They're called... Lunch um, Hospitality vendors, <laughs> I should imagine. Yeah, and quite right, too. Anyway. What a... Uh, yes, that's... Uh, a lovely moment there. One of the the Gen Zer on the team. Yes. <laughs> I'm afraid, Sarah, there is only one now. Uh that ship has sailed, love. It happens to us all. She has just scribbled down in a notebook, lunchtime supervisor. Oh, really? Nice. <laughs> that's that very fine. formal. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would be, but yeah, that's good. I love a lunchtime supervisor. I would like to... Um, I'd like to talk about a news thing um, and something I was very interested to see this week, which I did not. Do you remember some time ago I was talking about what a rubbish lectern <laughs> Boris Johnson used outside number 10 for various announcements? It really looked like one of those plywood, three-star hotel, corporate meeting room lecterns. So it was very trouser press. Mm. I didn't know, but it turns out that every prime minister has... As gets to design, gets to choose their own lectern. Yeah. As a special perk. Yeah, and apparently at Tory Party HQ, they they keep all the lecterns <laughs> as a sort of a you know 
for their, um, I think they use them for their, they have a lot of uh, craft work tribute <laughs> nights. <laughs> And they, so, so they've got them. They've kept them so uh-huh. you can go and see um, who are the Tory, you know, Boris's lecture. David Cameron. Yeah, Liz Truss is apparently. Theresa May. The paper has said. I call right, it, you I'm didn't finish it, my sentence. Sorry. Theresa May. Oh, thanks for the tip. <laughs> and um, Liz, um, Liz Truss's. Uh, they've got Liz Truss's. Um, lectern, which is actually made from ice. <laughs> <laughs> and lasted the whole run, which I thought was showed tremendous foresight. Something she didn't show that much. This is Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner. This is Absolute Radio. We're going to return to the lectern. Can Very... I say before the lectern? Sure. That I, um, as soon as we went off air, um, Pierre said to me, what was the name of that Linear B guy? So I said, Michael Ventris. And I saw him looking him up and I heard P- Pierre go, hmm, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. Anyway, sorry. Briefly, 848, Frank, we are three weeks from the WC. And you know what he means World by Cup, that. Yeah. And as the writer of our anthem and custodian of our broken dreams, could you hazard a prediction, could you Eden it, of the chances of it actually coming home this time? I realise you get asked this a lot. I'm just saying we're going to get this question a lot, Frank, so I'm going to field them, but that's just an early one for you. Well, as I once heard a Scottish historian say when asked if there'd ever be another Scottish Enlightenment, the future is not my period. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. OK, thank um, you. <laughs> a, lovely, a lovely message just in, on, with regards to me being, you know, playing to type. Yes. Mm. Harry in Brooklyn, oh. of all places, gets in touch, which is very cool, isn't it? Quite thrilling. Yeah, very. Well, it is for us, Pierre. We don't normally get Brooklyn, Frank. Yeah. Mm. Harry from Brooklyn says, Hello team, I wanted to call a- attention to a moment from last week that I think perfectly encapsulates the show. Okay. So this is Harry's attempt to perfectly encapsulate yes, we get the show. For the, the producers reach for a pen for the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Frank was recounting his trip on the Ulysses ferry to Ireland and said he was intimidated by the ferryman. Um, Emily interjected with, Oh, don't pay him referencing the 1982 song Don't Pay the Ferryman by Christa Berg. Mm. Pierre then replied with Charon, which is the name of the ferryman of the underworld in ancient Greek mythology. Absolute radio, says Harry. (laughs) (laughs) I think Who Pays the Ferryman comes from a bit earlier than Christa Berg, by the way. Don't Pay the Ferryman. Uh, He does reference it in his song. He has a song called Don't Pay the Ferryman, Mm. I believe. But there's a literary... Is it John Donne or something who pays the ferryman? You see, that was back in the day with the rock stars. They loved a literary reference. I think we've gone. I've just given Harry more food (laughs) for thought there. So, meanwhile, back at the lectern, uh, you were saying, Frank, because Rishi Mm. has gone... He's gone for austerity clipboard. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to make look re- too past with a lecture. It's gone a bit. The back of an aid. Make do and mend. It's gone a bit. Make do and mend because I believe 
it usually takes three to four weeks, doesn't it, to order these things? Oh, and he's been, it's quite a big, quick turnaround. Yeah, well, this is like when you get um, three batsmen go uh, quite quickly and the next guy hasn't got his pants on yet. <laughs> Hasn't it? Rishi, Rishi's come out in a string vest. Um, oh, uh, hello. Rubbing oh, sleep from his eyes. <laughs> well, speaking of austerity, I went in the shop um, and they had a section in the shop that, that I thought was sort of somewhat bleak about it. It's actually said across the top, lottery and tobacco. Oh. And I thought, oh... Just that's how you get through. How are we going to get through it? One, oh, dear. Oh, let's not end on that. <laughs> no, please. OK, here's my favourite bit. Okay. Gordon Brown had a lectern <laughs> on wheels. Oh, yeah. And I love the idea that, on, that he would, he'd actually be coming through the door having already begun. <laughs> I like that. And then there was the time that, oh, no, didn't realise there was anyone. I'm just having a little wander around. Oh, no, by the way, the economy. Like right. a segue. You know that thing he does. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, I've I got, must. I've got more. I'd like to talk about with that lecture on wheels. I mean, on wheels. Because it made me physically ill. On wheels. My list trust was there so short. She should have had... You know when people do the knowledge and they have those little perspex lectures? She should have just gone, gone past on a moped. Now I need to switch the engine off, Liz. So we're talking about... The, the revolving lectern, there have been so many in recent years, haven't I they? hadn't noticed, though, that they have their own, that you choose, you choose the one you want. Do you think Rishi might go for a sort of Game of Thrones, sort of made of the, forged of the destroyed swords of his many enemies sort of lectern? <laughs> yeah. Sort of spikes and things. I think like. it maybe a non-recyclable plastic one that he can throw straight into the ocean <laughs> afterwards. The dolphin choker, it's called. <laughs> I'll tell you what he won't do, because my favourite lectern, and probably all our favourite lecterns, are those ones when you put the stuff on an eagle's back. Yes. Frank, do you know, I, I miss, I love the eagle at school. Yeah, why doesn't some, I suppose they're worried that they might, um, the, the image of a subservient eagle might upset Joe Biden. You don't want the eagle in a servile position, it's true. Would that be called a a spread spread eagle? um, The wings out like that. Right, I think it's fabulous. I suppose it must be. Absolutely fabulous work, Frank. So Dumbledore's, which is an owl, would that be called a spread owl? Oh. Never hear that. It's not my area. Dumbledore's has got candles on as well. I mean, they don't do many night speeches, the Prime Minister, <laughs> but can you imagine <laughs> an owl and candles? I mean, that would be fantastic. Some scented just, ones. Just for the Halloween. Yeah, for the just Halloween for the announcements. Hall- Halloween announcements, exactly. <laughs> Maybe some spider web, hey? you know, yes. joke shop. Oh, oh yeah. joke shop what spider they, web. But, and the candles, make sure they've got plenty of wax running down the side, like the... Um, like the covered bottles in Tavernas. Yes, yes, yes. And when they turn around at the end, Frank, it's a tradition that they have a little Vincent Price laugh and the fangs. A little in with the punters. That's good. Can I just say something, though? It was the wood troubled me. Right. Rishi's wood was, I would call it a sort of caravan kitchenette. Oh, OK. I don't like that colour wood. What is it light? I can't remember. Yeah, it's a light, it. cheap wood. Oh, OK. Boris at least went for the sort of 1970s TV. It's teak. We know where we stand. Yeah. It's not great. But I don't like that. Mm. 
I think they've got that wrong. He didn't have time, Frank. No, he'll probably... That's probably a caretaker lectern. Man in the 70s bringing on the audiovisual <laughs> equipment. Yeah, well, the guy that does bring it on, of course, doesn't wear what we used to call a cowgown, a brown, you know, those brown long coats and a cap. In fact, he's become some sort of... Yeah, you're referring to hot podium guy. Hot podium guy, even mm. though it isn't a podium. Yes, this was pointed out in terse terms by the article. A podium is what athletes stand upon. Yes. Is that a friend of well, yours? Not just, yeah. ath- no, not, not just athletes, but yeah. It's yeah. what you stand on. It's a raised... Like yeah. a I like, dais. Yes. I like that... Uh, <laughs> a, Ru- a Rubin, as we call it. I like that uh, hot podium guy... Uh, it's called Tobias, and oh, okay. he's uh, 39. Is he? Yeah. How, I mean, I have to say that celebrity <laughs> is losing a little bit of its specialness <laughs> in recent years. <laughs> you just have to really work for it or kill someone. But no. <laughs> Frank Skinner. Frank, we've had uh, Raul Miranda... Hmm. Getting in touch regarding the lectins. Raoul says, favourite lectin, Truss by a goddamn mile. Gorgeous it was. Everything you could want from a lectin. I have to say, it, it, she did go for a good one. It's a shame that's been used up. <laughs> <laughs> she went for the sort of, a bit of a medieval castle, spiral staircase sort of thing, was it? Well, we were just talking, I can't remember which Disney film, is it? Is it Merlin in Sword of the Stone? When they go to his place, he's got teetering piles of books. I don't know, but I've never heard it referred to before as his place. (laughs) (laughs) Merlin's place. I love it to say, yeah, you know, Merlin, I was back at his place. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us some bachelor past. Yeah. His place. What what do you think of Mickey Mouse's place, Frank? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, there's a Mickey Mouse fun house. Yeah. Um, Step inside, it's fun inside. Yeah. Cheeky to rhyme inside with inside. No, rubbish. <laughs> um, at but, least they, the trust but they did write M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E, yeah. which I've always loved. Yeah. Um, the trust lectin, though, yeah. fetch, a, fetch a good price. Only used twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And you get a free copy of the Beatles' Hello, Goodbye with it. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrated its two uses. Good as new. Um, it is a nice one now. Fair play to Liz. I might call her in as a lectern consultant if I was Rishi. <laughs> Todd uh, Nikolic has got in touch in reference to the Gordon Brown lectern, which is, is already established was sort of a, a child's desk on on a wheels can i can i if i if i may interrupt i was recently at st patrick's cathedral in dublin which is where jonathan swift the great writer of uh, gulliver's travels etc was dean for many years (laughs) i call it st patrick's place Mm. okay and um jonathan swift had a lectern uh, had a pulpit rather on wheels and he had instructed to um, minions that if any if he, if he saw anyone sleeping in the congregation, they would push him over towards that person, <laughs> and he would shout. They would increase the volume until they woke up. That would be. T- I don't know if you ever seen Jonathan Swift. He's a terrifying, big, eyebrow scary bloke. Um, you don't want to be woken up by him shouting at you. It's a sort of preaching dialect, exactly, yeah. drifting across the tiles. 
What he, what is a bit like the Pope Mobile, but I don't think Jonathan Swift would have liked that comparison. No, no, an immodest proposal. Todd has said, I love, in reference to Gordon Brown's uh, lect- flimsy lectern on wheels with the extending wire, the cable is what upsets me. I love. He needs a curly cable. That's what he needs. <laughs> uh, Todd says, I love how it has stabilising screws on the bottom like a pub table so you don't spill your pie. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed the stabilising screws. <laughs> uh, Norman Stanley Fletcher, 1976. Carry on. Yeah. Um, a lot of people pointing out the trust one obviously resembled Jenga, as it was so symbolic, which yes, we're yes. obviously aware of. But let's, you know, I let's just the Theresa could... May, let us please, attention must be paid, because that was a very good word. OK, I don't remember the... It was uh... a sort of, I call it hyacinth bouquet dining table. Oh. You know, that oh. gleaming, very polished, beautiful. Yeah. I would, I'd still go for the eagle if it was me, but... Um, it's a bit grand for us, it, Frank. It isn't going to be me, let's face it. Um, <laughs> regret and slight no, surprise I in his Oh, no, I'd rather work on the toilet cleaning duty. <laughs> Full respect to anyone who does that, by the way. Uh, you know what? If the good Lord spares us and the creeks don't rise, we'll be back again this time next week. Now get out.